Podcast that's broadcast from hell. I am your host, your beloved hero, your confidant, your most trusted ally, and your new best friend, Joe Murray. Joining me are my colleagues, Baphomet. Thanks for having me back, Joe. Ooh. Ichiban the Imp. Hey there, Joe. It's great to be back in the studio. Moloch. <laughs> and my good friend and co-host, Satan. It's good to see you again, man. You too, bud. So, Joe, what is it that we are doing here exactly? Well, Satan, I was putting together a new episode of Rough and Tumble Radio, and I realized that it would end up being four to five hours long. So, I decided to start the Rough and Tumble WrestleCast, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, pro wrestling. Oh, okay. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. And fun. Well, that is who this podcast is for, Moloch. People who know little to nothing about this insane form of show business. And also for longtime fans who have an appreciation for the one true sport. I hope to induce curiosity into non-fans and expose them to a side of pro wrestling they are unaware of. And for longtime pro wrestling fans, I just want to entertain you while you go to work or do chores around the house. So, instead of talking about past episodes of SmackDown or Dynamite or debating whether the Montreal Screwjob was real or not, I am going to give you a glimpse into the backstage culture and personal lives of these crazy-ass people. And more often than not, it is filled with darkness and tragedy. I'll also be highlighting some of the most offensive and controversial wrestlers and storylines we have ever seen. Oh, this is going to be awesome, huh? It sure is, Satan. And yeah, I know what you people are thinking. Pro wrestling? Why? Don't you know it's fake? Of course we do. In fact, we know all of the tricks of the trade more than anybody. But this podcast is different. Oh? Well, because I have been watching this crazy-ass form of entertainment for years. I've traveled across the country for pro wrestling on multiple occasions. I've waited in long lines and endured sweltering heat and the freezing cold. I go to as many wrestling-related events as I can, and most importantly, I have read tons and tons of pro wrestling books. Something the average wrestling fan is incapable of. I know a lot, and I have witnessed historical moments and events unfold right before my very eyes. They have either left me overwhelmed with joy or absolutely furious, frustrated, and sad. Now, I've been apprehensive about outing myself as a wrestling fan since most people consider it to be lowbrow entertainment for uneducated, overweight, hillbilly basement dwellers. And you know what? I don't care what anyone thinks. Not anymore. I love this business, and I've loved it for years. I'll profess my love for it from the top of a mountain. I love the characters. I love the storylines. I love the cheesiness of it. I love the community. I love the history of it. I love the pageantry, and I love the spectacle. God damn it, I fucking love pro wrestling. And this is the Rough and Tumble WrestleCast. Oh, son of a bitch! Yes! Hi. 
Donald Trump am now the sole owner of Monday Night Raw. Your arms are just too short to box with God. I'm gonna leave him in a pile of blood and urine and vomit. Jesus! Oh my! I may be a scumbag, but I'm always a scumbag. Shut up! Whoa! I'm gonna slap you around, boy. I'm gonna slap you down, silly. Blood's gonna be running down your face mixing with those tears. We're gonna kick their asses. Yes! <laughs> oh, I am looking so forward to this. The WWE is the most well-known wrestling promotion in the world and first gained widespread popularity in the 1980s thanks to the rise of Hulk Hogan and the development of cable TV and pay-per-view. Even if you have never watched a wrestling match before, most people are familiar with the WWE. They are made of larger-than-life characters who have captured the imaginations of countless fans throughout the years. Some of the most well-known wrestlers are Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena. While they are technically proficient in-ring performers, what really sets them apart from others are their gimmicks, which are basically their in-ring personas or characters. Hogan was the all-American role model for kids. Stone Cold was the pissed-off redneck who absolutely despised his boss. The Rock was a brash and arrogant wrestler turned Hollywood star who was an expert at cutting people down verbally. And Cena went from being a white rapper to a more grounded and less intense version of Hulk Hogan. Gimmicks are important and they can make or break a wrestler no matter how good they are in the ring or on a microphone. Sometimes a guy is talented enough to make a bad gimmick work, but other times there are gimmicks that are so bad or offensive that they are forever associated with the man or men portraying them. Which brings us to the topic of our first episode, the WWE's Most Offensive Gimmicks Part 1. Part 1? Well, the WWE has a long history of strapping terrible gimmicks to wrestlers, so I imagine that there will be a Part 2 somewhere down the line, or a Part 3, or 4 or five, or six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So yeah, there's a lot to work with. And since you, Satan, have been a wrestling fan since the 1920s, maybe you can provide some insight on these terrible gimmicks. Uh, I mean, I can, but I don't know if I feel like it. We'll see. <laughs> okay, man. Anyways, let's get to it. These are the most offensive WWE gimmicks, part one. All right. So, September 11th, 2001. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) 9-11 was a terrible tragedy. And that's putting it lightly. You know, people still blame me for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I had nothing to do with it. First of all, I lived in New York City from the 1950s to the late 1980s, and I haven't been involved with any conflict between two countries since the Cold War. Where, I'll admit, I lost myself there for a second, but I realized that I needed to change, and that's when I started going to psychotherapy. Do you still go? Yep. Three times a day, seven days a week. Anyways, 9-11 changed everything in this country. Now... WWE has this habit of taking real-world events and using them to create characters or storylines that usually elicit a negative reaction from the crowd. This is nothing new. So, a few years after 9-11 goes by, and then enter Muhammad Hassan. Hello! 
Yes, that was his theme music. As a result of 9-11, a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment popped up all over the country. So what does WWE do? They create a bad guy Muslim wrestler who constantly complains about anti-Muslim sentiment in America. I see all of your prejudices. I know the dirty, yellow underbelly of our country. Because we're of Arab descent, we are singled out. And how did the crowd react? They hated him. He would also extend his hands and praise Allah which he stopped doing because Muslim Americans were outraged. So Hassan spends the next year wrestling some notable people and is eventually placed in a number one contenders match against The Undertaker at the Great American Bash pay-per-view. So a few weeks before the pay-per-view, on an episode of SmackDown, which is one of WWE's weekly TV shows, Hassan's manager, another Muslim wrestler, gets his ass whooped in a match by The Undertaker. The match ends and The Undertaker stares down Muhammad Hassan, who's watching him from the entranceway. Hassan gets on his knees and then five dudes with black ski masks, black shirts, and camel pants attack The Undertaker and choke him with piano wire. They all then get on their knees since they're presumed to be terrorists, while Hassan enters the ring and chokes out The Undertaker with a move called the Camel Clutch. They were basically simulating a beheading this was taped on July 4th, 2005, and aired three days later on July 7th. You know what else happened on July 7th, 2005? This. Breaking news we're getting from the PA Newswire that there's been reports of an explosion outside Liverpool Street Station. That, of course, in the east end of London. It's the, the uh, bordering area. You'll be maybe familiar with the Swiss building known as the, the Gherkin, uh, which, of course, has been a familiar landmark throughout London for the past sort of couple of years or so. That's uh, very close to Liverpool Street Station. They're getting these reports of an explosion from the British Transport Police. That's right. Four suicide attacks that were carried out by Islamist terrorists in London targeting the city's public transportation system. And The Undertaker beatdown aired unedited the same day. Mm. Yikes. Talk about bad timing. I hear that. So this angle elicited national attention from major media outlets including the New York Post and Variety. And as a result of the negative press, UPN, the network that aired SmackDown, pressured WWE to keep Hassan off of the network. So at the Great American Bash pay-per-view, Undertaker defeats Muhammad Hassan and Storyline injures him as a way to explain his absence in the following weeks. He is then released from his contract two months later. That's kind of bull****, though, man. Yeah, it seems like the guy was punished for an unintentional faux pas. Oh, and I forgot. The name of the man portraying Muhammad Hassan is Marco Pani, an Italian-American from Syracuse, New York. <laughs> Cultural appropriation at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. So is he still wrestling? He has retired from wrestling and is now a school principal. Next up are the Mexicals. What the f*** is a Mexical? Is it a cool Mexican? Shut up, Ichiban. The Mexicals were a wrestling stable made up of Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, and Super Crazy. These guys are Mexican wrestlers who wrestled as cruiserweights. What's that? Cruiserweights usually refer to wrestlers who are under 200 pounds and possess a high-flying wrestling style. They basically do a bunch of flips and shit. Pretty much. Anyways, on their own, all three of these guys are excellent wrestlers. They are so good that they don't even need to have fleshed out wrestling personas, nor do they even need to talk. They get in the ring, 
They wrestle. The crowd goes crazy for the match. They leave and repeat. One of the reasons WCW started to pop off was because they would showcase their cruiserweights. But the rise and fall of WCW is a topic for another time. So, Vince McMahon has three very talented and skilled Mexican wrestlers on his roster. So what does he do with them? Well, he puts them together as a small faction called the Mexicals. Because we are not Mexican! Come on! We are Mexicans! <laughs> So, ugh. if I remember correctly, these three were pissed off about Mexican stereotypes in the United States and they especially hated being referred to as laborers or something like that. And all three would come out on a big ass John Deere lawnmower, which they called the Mexican Limo 2005. Juventud then made the statement that they were no longer there to clean toilets and work for them, you know, the gringos, but they we're going to be working for us. And then they just went on doing their thing as the Mexicals. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this whole thing offends me as a wrestling fan and as a Mexican. You're Mexican? But you're white. My father is white. Speak some Spanish. What? Are you seriously giving me the Mexican test? Isn't the fact that I have Mexican blood coursing through my veins enough? No. Yeah, dude, you're white. What? Do you know what my grandfather went through to Alright, you don't forget it. Fine, I'm not Mexican, okay? Ugh. Anyways, like I mentioned, these guys are world-class pro wrestlers. Absolutely incredible performers. But fucking Vince McMahon sees them as like, Oh, I got a hell of an idea. And basically turns them into villainous gardeners. Ugh. See, that's not even that clever. Oh, I know. Vince thinks he's hilarious, though. Thinks who's hilarious? Vince thinks Vince is hilarious. Well, he kind of is in a totally unintentional way. I'll agree with you on that, Satan. So the last wrestler we are going to talk about is... Eugene. Who is Eugene? With a name like that, he must be a badass motherfucker. Eugene was the storyline nephew of Monday Night Raw general manager Eric Bischoff. Oh, and he was also mentally disabled. Mentally disabled? <laughs> Yeah. Hey, kind of like Ichiban. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was actually a decent wrestler and was involved in storylines that featured big name talents such as Triple H, Kurt Angle, and etc. But this gimmick of being a mentally disabled wrestling savant, it's just... Well, here, check it out. Eugene. 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 Eugene, yes, I'm looking for Eugene. Have you seen him? Eugene! Eugene, yes. I've seen. Uh, you've seen him, yes? He's about six foot one and about 240 pounds and... Eugene! See, even though he was popular with the crowd and some saw him as inspirational, this whole mentally disabled thing is just downright offensive, man. Also, if his accent wasn't bad enough, you should see the dude's mannerisms. Like I said, the crowd rooted for the guy since he was the lovable underdog, but the way he would talk, it was it was just too much, man. And I realized this was from a different time, but still, I mean, it's a bad look. Regal, Eugene, manager. I feel bad that that guy will forever be known as Eugene. Oh, I know, right? That guy literally busted his ass for years in order to make it to the big time only to be forever tethered to this lame and offensive gimmick. Will you, will you kiss me? 
No. But I'm special. You, you give me a kiss. Come on. I'm special. I'm special. Plus, you can only go so far with it. Yeah, you won't be afforded the same opportunities as some of your peers. I hear that, Satan. Anyways, we need to. Oh, wait a minute. My phone is ringing. Let's patch it into the console and see who it is. Hello? Hey, Joe. Yeah? What's up, man? It's Tully. Oh, Tully. Long time no see, my dude. How you doing? How's health? You know, things are actually pretty good. I'm busy with the new podcast. I've been working on some audio documentaries, writing music... And just reading a bunch of books like usual. What about you? How are you doing? I wish I was dead. Awesome. So Tully, I'm glad you called because we are talking about wrestling gimmicks, especially bad ones. So since you've been wrestling on the independent circuit for years now, and know a lot about WWE gimmicks in particular, I'm wondering what do you think makes a good gimmick? Uh, a good gimmick in wrestling is something that people can relate and also admire. The Undertaker is a perfect example. It's a very good gimmick. Or we should say character. Gimmick and character is sort of the same definition because I feel like the word gimmick itself has been lost in limbo throughout the years. I have heard The Undertaker has the greatest gimmick of all time. What makes it the greatest? Because it evolved. Keep in mind, he was an Undertaker when he first debuted. And then he got buried a lot. He got buried, if you remember, by Yokozuna, if I'm not mistaken. And then he just, they just kept on evolving the character. They tried to kill the character. And then he became the dead man, the Undertaker. And then, you know, that got time off. And then he became the American badass. He became the biker. And then he got buried alive again. And then became the phenom, the Undertaker. It, it's probably the perfect gimmick because it constantly evolved. So is evolution of one's gimmick essential for a successful wrestling career? If you want a long career, you need, essentially need to know how to evolve it. Like, let's, let's put, a, let's, uh, let's put uh, the one, the, you know, let's put John Cena right now. What did John Cena start off as? He was ruthless aggression. He was the prototype. He was the, you know, young up-and-coming guy, and then all of a sudden, they didn't really know what to do with him until, like, you know, if, for people that don't know, he was freestyling on a tour once, and they liked that, and they're like, ah, oh, you're going to be a rapper. You're going to be a white rapper. And he became, like, the doctor of thugonomics. And then he became the champ is here, and then he came in with, like, the cargo shorts and, like, the military hats and everything like that. And from doctor of thugonomics, he became, like, the chain gang. From the chain game, he became John Cena. So what do you think are some bad gimmicks? Probably the ringmaster. Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was offered this gimmick called the ringmaster, which was, he's a great technician, but he never talks. And I just don't think it transferred well with him being the, I mean, he's a fun, Stone Cold Steve Austin is a great wrestler. But I think the ringmaster thing held him back because when he came to the WWF, he was given this gimmick, but I don't think it was suited for him. I mean, you'd say Gobbledygooker and, like, the Red Rooster, but, like, those guys... Like, the Gobbledygooker was Hector Guerrero, but phenomenal worker in the territories. But Terry Taylor being the Red Rooster, that was kind of... I mean, he's a great wrestler, but still not the best gimmick, you know? 
Do you think that was a bad gimmick for Terry Taylor, or just a bad gimmick in general? I feel like a bad gimmick in general. Keep in mind, his gimmick was a coin flip. If you ever, did you ever hear that story? There was a coin flip between him and another wrestler by the name of Kurt Henning. And basically, they flipped a coin, and whoever got heads was Mr. Perfect, and whoever was tails was Red Rooster. But imagine if Taylor Taylor was Mr. Perfect. We were talking about Muhammad Hassan earlier. Give us your thoughts on him and his gimmick. Keep in mind, the guy who played Muhammad Hassan was Italian, not an ounce of Iranian in him. But I feel like he would have been a bigger star than he was because I mean, to have fuck, to have the media pull this guy, pull him off TV, I think is pretty controversial. But like, I always thought it was I thought it was a good character. What do you think? You think it was cheap? I thought it was cheap. Why do you think people hated it? It hit too close to home. What was going on in the world with like? I mean, essentially, it got pulled because of the London bombings. But, like, it honestly brought fear into people that this guy was, like, a legit, you know, Muslim-American wrestler, you know? When, honestly, he was just an Italian dude. What do you think are some of the worst gimmicks you've seen in the WWE? Like, I love Simon Dean. Simon Dean was a, a Richard Simmons kind of wrestler. He was a guy that basically, like, had a supplement line and made people, like, believe that, like, he could lose by being on the Simon system, the Simon system, probably Rockabilly when Billy Gunn was paired up with Honky Tonk Man, just because he looked like he wasn't having fun. I did like Disciple, but I did not get the Boogie Woogie Man. Not the Boogie Woogie Man. Um, the Booty Man when uh, Bruce Smart Beefcake was in WCW, because he was like the Zodiac, the Booty Man. You know, never understood that. Um. I felt bad for Mike Awesome, when, I mean, when he was in WCW, sorry you're asking me about WWE, but I was saying that's the 70s guy, Mike Awesome. The dude was a big guy, he could have been, I feel like Mike Awesome could have been the next WCW champion. Um, I think also like Spark plugged Bob Holly, I think Bob Holly's a talented worker, but I just thought the whole NASCAR thing was just kind of weird. But that was during the time of the New Generation Era. For those that don't know what the New Generation Era, that was way before the Attitude Era. It was just in the early 90s where in the WWF, everyone's character or gimmick was essentially a job. Like there was Duke the Dumpster. The Goon, who was a hockey player. Um, Forgot what the Friar's name was, but there was a Friar that wrestled. The Godwins, they were just hillbillies, you know. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for calling in, man. It's always good to talk to you. You too, man. See you later, dude. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank my demonic colleagues for being here, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Look out for more episodes of the Rough and Tumble WrestleCast, and thanks for stopping by. See you around. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Shut up, Ichiban. Ah.